we need to really coalition build and, and start building a voice of reason in Los Angeles for public transit bikes and walking and it's happening. Yeah, I really think that we're starting to reach a tipping point where people are just getting so fed up of how long it's taking to get everywhere. People are starting to become more aware that essentially as far as climate change goes, the house is on fire. Something has to be done right now. We have to try to figure out how to change the behavior of the drivers. Right. Nobody's going to give up their car right away, but you need to find gateways for people to get to that point. You do your homework first, you bring it to me, and then I'll carry it. Let me do the work to carry it the rest of the way. But as long as I know you guys are still there in support, and this is what you want in your community. On the phone, we have Heidi Zeller, who is on the board of Ciclovia. And she's here to talk about the next Ciclovia, which is December 8th. And it's Mm -hmm. coming out to the to the valley valley is this the first time in the valley no it's not the first time in the valley although this is a new route in the valley we've been in the valley three times so far okay but but, you know as you know as a valley boy yourself that it is a very big place it is huge so we're gonna be in the west valley (laughs) yeah which is like way out there (laughs) <laughs> way out there from what street to so what street far. on sherman way deep valley um so it's on sherman way um between shoop on the west end to lindley on the east end shoop to lindley wow okay what major streets yeah. is that by fallbrook and what's lindley by? um lindley is by Reseda. it's just past Reseda. okay if you're heading if you're heading east so it's five miles and it's, you know, it's cool because it connects with some iconic things like the L.A. River. It's actually very close to the headwaters of the L.A. River. So I don't know why, but I like that. Yeah, wait, and Balboa Park is right there, but it doesn't hit Balboa Park. We, no. It, but we can get you to White Oak and then down. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it's doable. You can connect with that, but it yeah, doesn't connect right with Balboa Park. That's interesting, like, because the Orange Line bike path goes all the way out there. I love the Orange Line bike path. Yeah, so the Orange Line bike path does connect with that. So the, the closest spot is at Sherman Way. So if you're in L.A. proper and you want to get mm-hmm. out to Ciclovia in the valley, you would take the Red Line, get off, get on your bike, or you could take mm-hmm. the Orange Line bus. The Orange Line bus orange goes line, there. either way, yeah, and you can but get... You can get there easily. You can do the, yeah, you can do the Chandler bike lanes and then hit the uh, Orange Line bike path. And it's pretty, I mean, it's pretty nice. It's magical. So kind of yeah. feels like you're in the yeah. Netherlands. <laughs> yeah. And I don't know, that that whole bike path still feels new to me. Mm-hmm. You know, it's been around for, I think, since 2012. But I don't know, in, in LA terms, uh, I don't know, just feels new and it's a cool path and i don't think a lot of people you're talking about the orange line know about it yeah the orange line's been there for a while and bike path no i know i know but i'm just saying just that that whole infrastructure i mean in in my you know brain around having grown up in the valley it still feels new yeah to have that that kind of amenity yeah because we didn't have that when i was a little one i remember driving out there with my parents to balboa park it was like, it mm-hmm. was far, I remember, but Toys R Us was out there on Sherman Way. <laughs> and those were two exciting things, going to Balboa Park and, uh, 
you know, Toys R Us. So, anyways. Um, so yeah, agreed. We're going five miles. We're going from Lindley to to Shoop, uh, which is uh, mm-hmm. east or west of Fallbrook. And um, uh, I think so. Yeah, west of Fallbrook, like maybe a quarter mile in that vicinity. That's cool. Yeah. There's there's a guy out there um, who's on the West Hills. This is this is from the West Hills to Reseda. So there's a guy out there on the West Hills uh, Neighborhood Council who's super excited about this, and he's doing a tour of something uh, west of Shoop. Like there's, I guess, uh, some kind of interesting tour that he's going to do, and I I can't recall right now what it was, but I think it's something where he's going to do like uh, a little talking point at each point of the tour. It could be pretty cool. So that's one thing. And then I'm hearing now also that that we're going to have a skating rink. Is this true? I've heard these rumors. Uh, yes. See, I got um, my moles inside are... Metro, <laughs> and um, I already am on it. So there's a skating rink, right? There's going to be some sort of skating, um, I don't know, extravaganza happening. And <laughs> here it's going to be on the, the east end. So, cool. So, cool. yeah. And there always have been roller skaters. You know, all you know, Sequibia welcomes all modes. Of course, it's not just a bike um, party, but yeah. So there've always been skaters out there, and I think they're going to be excited about this. Heck yeah, that sounds so cool. I think roller skating is like the new Midnight Riders. So I know it has. It's more on my radar too. I couldn't tell if that's just because I'm in my little Sequibia world and I'm my eyes are open to that sort of thing. So you're seeing that too. Yeah, I'm seeing that. I see the skating rinks getting filled. And uh, my friend Taj is way into uh, roller skating, so I, I go sometimes. I want to get a, I want to get my own shoes. I mean, the rental shoes are really uncomfortable, but they're terrible. Yeah. So I think it's worth investing and in getting into some roller skating too. Yeah, it's also very stylish. I have to say, the <sighs> yeah. roller skaters really, they make really, sparkle. yeah. Yeah, they do sparkle. As a matter of fact, um, you know, I almost, I have to go get some clothes because all I have is, you know, Dickies and a t-shirt. Yeah, black, whatever. (laughs) And I'm like skating out there and I'm thinking like, wow, I I need to, you know, level up, you know? Yeah, yeah, you do. Level up, Don. (laughs) Level up, my friend, to be honest. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. No, but I mean, the skater, it's, true and in some of these skating rinks like there's the one i'm forgetting the name of it but it's in mid-city and it had closed for a while world on wheels yeah yeah of course and so and then people were so sad that it closed and so people rallied and it's back what i hear yeah i hear it's back and that they do the um there's a special kind of wheels that they're Mm. using over there more than at other skating rinks it's like a I think it's like wooden wheels or something like that where they, mm. they sort of skid. They do a lot of skidding on them. The uh, Northridge Skateland. Why are we talking about skating? This is bike talk, huh? I, I don't know. <laughs> because skating's <laughs> fun. We'll talk about balls. anything. We'll talk about anything. We're desperate. You have to use your own legs. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, we're getting into an age where, you know, mobility. I mean, you work, you work at Metro as well. And I do. Yes, and Metro is starting to focus on, you know, it's now the conversation isn't just bikes. I mean, us self-centered bike lobbyists think that it's all about mm-hmm. bikes, but it's really 
micro mobility, it's mobility, it's can I get around the city of LA? What yeah. modes of transportation do we need? We need everything. Yeah. I think, you know, metro, yes, it's public transit, but it's really, it is about mobility. And we're, everybody who lives in Los Angeles is like, how can I get around? I mean, it, yes, traffic, 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 but we all just want to get where we're going and how do we do so? And it's multimodal. It's, it's now, in, insider, give me the insider look at this. <sighs> like, give, it, give me the, this is just between me and you, okay? Oh, yeah. Okay. Is Metro really on board with, you know, like, like transit and bringing micro mobility out there? Like, do they really support it? Or are they just saying that and they're going to keep doing car culture? What's going on? Like, give us the real deal. No, I mean. From your sense inside. I'm speaking as an individual who does work at Metro, but I mean, no, I mean, Metro, just like anybody who lives in Los Angeles right now, we all know that. LA is, is a pain to maneuver around and you know people are actually I just read something the other day actually about how people are are quitting jobs because they don't want to deal with a commute and it right, it's, I saw it's that very article. challenging yeah yeah so it's I, I found that really fascinating but so yeah everybody at Metro recognizes that too that we need to have multiple ways to get around I mean it's, it's the only way to deal with living in the city okay are they yeah, gonna are they gonna stick their necks out to the effect of can you know this is a politically you know this is hot this is hard to do because everybody here so many people here are just bought into the car car dominance thing that metro Mm -hmm. you know metro suggests things like a brt or you know the expo line was going to go behind some people's houses and they got all upset like politically speaking i guess you know who Somebody's got to stick their neck out, right? I mean, do something bold. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I mean, ever since I've been there, I mean, that's been the. It's been pretty consistent. I've been there for eight years now, and that whole time, what I've been hearing is it's about mobility in the broadest sense, and that there's no silver bullet. We need all of the modes, and we need them to connect. And first, last mile. I mean, like that connection point. I mean, all everything. I mean, it's all on the table, and we're we're trying to make it all work. Everything's on the table, and you're saying inside the organization, they really do believe this. When you're in the city of Los Angeles, the Mm -hmm. agencies have to be on board because there's people inside the agencies. Like I've noticed with the LADOT early on, there's a lot of resistance inside those agencies. I don't know about Metro. Metro always was something that we as the the bike lobby didn't, I, I guess we didn't really engage with them too much, but LADOT has these engineers and people that have been there forever that just believe in what they believe. And it's mostly like, how do we flush cars through the street faster? And, um, with little regard to pedestrians and cyclists, but that's starting to change. There's new people coming in. There's still people there at the LADOT that are, that are legacy engineers that are just hanging on and, uh, hopefully they'll retire soon. Cause I want to see the culture inside LADOT change too. And I, I, I think it is, there's young people that are getting in there like Tim from and so forth that yeah. seem, seem to be on board. Right. So. Yeah, I mean, and okay, Metro is a very big place, of course, and you know, I, I 
I don't, again, I'm just speaking for myself right now, somebody who's been there for eight years, but I mean, I know we, we all just recognize that there, there's no one single answer to solving LA's mobility problem. So everything, all ideas are on the table because we have to make it work because people are losing their minds out there. Right. It's taking forever to get from A to B. Well, okay, so we're hopeful. We got our fingers crossed. You're giving us the yeah. inside story. I promise not to tell anybody else okay. what you said. <laughs> Cyclovia is coming up December 8th, and it's mm-hmm. going to be in the Valley. It starts at 9 a.m. and goes yep. till 4 p.m. Yep. And where's the after party? Um, I mean, I kind of feel like we should bring it to Skateland. You know, it's only Boom, let's tech. go to Skateland. It's two miles. It's only two miles north of the route, which you is can- nothing. You can rent s- skates there for like 15 bucks, and it's an awesome evening skating. Yeah, I think everybody should ride their bikes up there. Yeah, just park your bike and then get on some skates, use some different muscles. But, I mean, growing up in the valley, I don't know about you, but growing up in the valley, that was one of two fun things to do. <laughs> when I was I, junior high, yeah. I was like, what do I do? Go to Skateland or go to the Northridge Mall? I mean, really, that's that, all there that, is, that is wild to me. I mean, I didn't grow up in Northridge, but when my folks uh, moved out there, I was like, where? But there's, <laughs> I mean, Skateland is cool. Okay, anyways, thank you, Heidi. Yeah. Um, we've right. been talking about skating more than bike riding. This is Ciclovia. That's what Ciclovia brings. So. You know, yeah, think of it in different ways. Things. That's what they want you to do there. So Exactly, exactly. All right. Bye. Good talking. Thanks. Take care. You too. Bye. All right. That was Heidi Zeller. You know, we got the inside scoop on that, on that Ciclovia. So we're going to go to a couple songs, and then we're going to bring on some, some more folks and uh, talk some more bikes. We'll talk soon.
escucha, cama te escucha, somos delincuentes, tú no quieres lucha, hacemos esto y todo se loca, con los tres delincuentes los mariachis tocan. la máquina, produzco mejor, origen de calidad, ponte listo, suenan los carros, oje el más pum pum que charro, uno más, dos son tres en tu cara, que es lo que dices, ah, no quieres nada, hace poco usaban los tres Okay, so we're back on bike talk. We're actually I'm running around here. I'm getting I'm getting winded here. I gotta ride my bike more. But we have with us Adrian Hoff, who is she is a resident of Koreatown, right? Koreatown? Yep, Koreatown. Nice to meet you. And you are on uh, you are on the neighborhood council there, which is the Wilshire Center Koreatown. Neighborhood Council. Yeah. And that. what are the boundaries of that? Um, so it's uh, roughly Olympic on the south, Melrose on the north, mm-hmm. Vermont on the east, and Western on the west. Okay. It's a very long district. In fact, um, kind of along the Wilshire Corridor, it extends a bit further east uh, towards Lafayette Park. So it's kind of an east-west long yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, very long going north-south, too. And that's a super... Oh, so it's an L-shape. Um, kind of, yeah, yeah. Oh. So that's a very dense area of Los Angeles. It's the densest neighborhood of Los Angeles, right? Koreatown? Yeah. Uh, as far as residents go, there's about 120,000 people that live within our neighborhood council boundaries. Wow. We are um, th- either the first or the second biggest. It's It still blows my mind when I think about how many people actually live there. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Dense. There's a lot of uh, multi-story buildings there. Yeah. It's a very unique neighborhood. And I've uh, lived in Koreatown for about nine, ten years now and in several different parts of the neighborhood. And I absolutely love it. I love Koreatown. It's so cool. (laughs) Yeah. I used to live over in the Miracle Mile area and Koreatown was just down Wilshire and we'd go down there and it's just such a fun little town. Mm-hmm. <laughs> fun little part of Los Angeles. Yeah, it truly is. A few years back, I moved to Northeast LA for a while, mm-hmm. and I had to move back after a year. Like, it was just way, way too suburban feel for me. <laughs> I was renting a room in a single family home, and it felt like a suburb. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I don't drive at all. So, like, it was almost a mile walk to the Gold Line station to get to work. And then, like, I went out for dinner, like, up after living in Cypress Park for a year. 
I went for dinner in Koreatown. And I'm like, oh, I have to come back here. This is where my soul lives. <laughs> right? Oh, totally, totally. I, yeah, I had the same kind of situation growing up. I grew up in like the Coinga Bass area and then my folks moved way out in the valley and I was just like, where? I hadn't even heard of the neighborhood. And uh, I just immediately moved back to uh, Hollywood after going to college out there. But yeah, um, nothing like living in the city. Unfortunately, you know, uh, I mean, you you are on the transportation committee, you're on or the plum committee. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, they come. They've kind of folded them into the same committee. Um, okay. So the 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 acronym is is long: Planning, Land Use, Housing, and Transportation Committee. Wow. Yeah. So okay. there, there's a lot in the. Um, Transportation was the primary focus for when I for running for neighborhood council, mm-hmm. uh, but also focus on affordable housing is also one of my main issues as well too. So, I really want to get on that committee, and uh, so advocating right for uh, complete streets for everybody, not just accommodating vehicles. Right. And uh, trying to get a minimum, very minimum of ten percent affordable units in every building that gets built is something that is is important to me starting with 10% and moving it up from there because we have a glut of luxury housing that's not getting filled and every single day uh, more and more uh, rent stabilized units are coming off the market and people are getting displaced so we need to have something for absolutely and you know what's incredible is um, I was reading about you know, a metro metro owns development around their stations. They own the land and they set up housing and retail around their stations, and they rent it out. And you know, one of the big gripes from sort of the opposition in in terms of the housing argument is you know the opposition to building density and building more housing. There's like a big argument about all of this stuff, and there's a lot of nuances, and I don't want to go over all of it. But there's sort of one side that makes the case like hey metro you're building luxury housing uh, because you know look at this giant parking structure you put in this place and no you know you're not building housing for transit users and it's like they just had a meeting the other day about the north hollywood uh station and all the development that they're going to do around there and i was like we should be arguing that they should have this should be a transit user focused housing and that it's affordable and they're a public agency. They don't need to make a big profit on this development. They can build housing without all the parking spaces. And instead of storing cars, they can store more humans. Right. You know, and, and it becomes cheaper to rent and a better ROI for Metro pound for pound because they can't draw, you know, 800 or $1,000 in rent for a parking space th- because people would just be like, that's outrageous. Um, but yet they're using up a parking space of room to store a car instead of a human being. I could get on my high horse for hours about <laughs> the parking minimums in the city. <laughs> Nothing just pisses me off more than that. Right? It's just it's crazy that the government, I mean, you can put it in a completely libertarian, like if you want to get through to like some Republicans about this, it's like the government is forcing you as a landowner to dedicate 40, 50% of your land sometimes to storing cars instead of making money off of storing human beings, you know, like. Right, exactly. And um, everywhere in the U.S., but I think in particular in L.A. with our car culture, people expect that there's going to be a parking spot for every bedroom in an apartment. And I hear some 
oftentimes people who often are, are very progressive and advocate for more affordable units, but then they'll come to our meetings and they're like, this transit-oriented community doesn't have enough parking. That's absurd. <laughs> and it's like, I, and, and I, I know that, that very often these people just haven't been educated on on the high cost of quote-unquote free parking right but it's like it, it's one or the other like parking minimums are ha, have been such a major contribution of why housing's not affordable in right. los angeles and and also a contributor of traffic yes. because you now i mean if you have to build a giant parking donut around every restaurant every fast food restaurant has a parking donut around it that's you're you're wasting space and you're it's like a self-defeating you know, cycle of just cars are just bad. Yes. <laughs> cars <Okay>. are terrible. <laughs> cars are horrible. <laughs> um, I say that as somebody that drove my car here. So. <laughs> I took the red line so I can say it. <laughs> awesome. I mean, I live. Yeah. Anyways, I do. I love taking the red line and I ride my bike, but I also, I, it's because I want options. You know, I'm mm-hmm. basically saying I'm a car driver who wants options as well as driving a car. I don't want to always have to drag my car around, you know, and this city forces me to do that like no other city. Mm-hmm. Unless you live in like some of the spots like Koreatown where I, you can just, I mean, you can walk everywhere there. That's what's yeah. awesome about it. Yeah, it, it, that's, it's fantastic. I, it was like six years ago when I got rid of my car. Ugh. And um, at that time I was living off of the Third Street Corridor. So um, like I would take the 16 bus to work and... Sometimes I, I, like, it was a bit of a walk to get to the Vermont station, but it was totally doable. Uh, But, like, now I live closer to the major subway stations, and it's just a dream. It it takes me no time to get to work, and I never get stuck in traffic. There's that. (laughs) Yeah, you have a consistent, you know exactly when you're going to leave and when you're going to arrive. Exactly. When you're driving a car, it's a total crapshoot. And it's just people that... People that are all about car culture just are not ready to admit that they don't have any new ideas, you know? Right. Uh, Other than building tunnels, $700 billion worth of tunnels around Los Angeles for more cars, Mm -hmm. they don't have any new ideas. So we need to, I don't know, I feel like there's like a, like we need to really coalition build and, and start building a voice of reason in Los Angeles for public transit bikes and walking and it's happening i'm seeing it happen it's just like i want it to happen more you know yeah i really think that we're starting to reach a tipping point where people are just getting so fed up of how long it's taking to get everywhere um people are starting to become more aware of um that essentially as far as climate change goes the house is on fire something has to be done right now and there's just so much vehicle violence that's happening and just this week, there were several people that were killed in Los Angeles streets from being hit by cars. And one of them, the most heartbreaking, was in my district. Right. That was um, just the other day. What uh, That was on Monday, right? It just um, I think it was Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. And that was the crosswalk at Olympic and Normandy, right? Yes. And that's a, there's a school there. Mm-hmm. And this was a mom walking uh, her... Her daughter. Daughter. Yeah, her four-year-old child. They were walking in the crosswalk uh, to to take the child to preschool. And they lived in the neighborhood. And they were hit by um, a woman who was driving an SUV who had her three children in the car to take them to school. 
and there's just there's so much to unpack with this it's now she was making a left mm-hmm. heading south on normandy yeah so these you know i've been reading about these kind of incidents actually in new york on streets blog where it's a left turn and there's a there's a column that connects the windshield to your driver side door and there's like a column and it's kind of a blind spot mm-hmm. and uh people uh, so we're, we're basically talking about the barriers to arriving at this this point where we can have options other than driving a car to get around safely and yeah. conveniently and one of the big barriers is that cars themselves destroy everything on the road i mean they wear the roads out you know they they crash, they cause havoc, they run into light poles, they cost billions, and they kill people. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've way over-engineered cars. I mean, cars go way too fast. There's no reason to have a 500-horsepower car to drive around in the city. No, not at all. And um, SUVs are just that much more unnecessary. Right. And, um, I mean, since they're, they're lifted, they're like the front end is right around the height of a four-year-old child. And so both the child and the mother were were hit by the SUV. And (sighs) that says a lot by the fact that the child was killed and the mother was not. So had it been a sedan, would the the results have been different? I mean, I I don't have the answer to that. But I mean, if you look at the fatality rates from SUVs versus sedans, and then you also consider, too, how much cargo and how many passengers SUVs carry compared to sedans. And she had uh, a couple of kids in the car with her. Yeah, she had three kids. Now, just imagine those kids being exposed to this violence. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. wow. And one of the things, um, one of the many things about this that, that has been upsetting me is the media coverage with this that yeah. has been steering the conversation. And this is a, f- a very frequent thing when it, it comes to to vehicle violence. Um, every news story that I, I saw and read about this, they were giving more time to to address the fact that the driver of the SUV uh, was just really broken up and bothered by this. More time sympathizing with the driver. Exactly. Right? And like and and then people who were seeing this, they were, uh, they, they were like, well, this could have happened to anybody. <laughs> no, it couldn't. Like if you were paying uh, attention and operating your deadly weapon the way that you should be this should not be happening to anybody now this is where this is where the engineering comes in because see i, I like my first reaction to is like no it couldn't happen to everybody i mean i am a extremely cautious driver and i knock on wood that that i'm not going to get into some crash i really drive by the book as you know and i drive i actually hyper mile so i'm rarely going above the speed limit and i drive as though you know someone's going to walk out in front of me mm-hmm. you know at all times i never go through a residential area fast you know i don't go you know i just drive carefully like as though something is going to unfold in front of me that i need to react to quickly and save a life and most people don't think that way when they're driving around la there's some kind of weird culture it's not weird it's like this is the culture everywhere in the united states is that it's drive fast um, get out of my way. It's it's I'm the most important person on the road. 
and uh, there's that that culture is sitting there, and it's so hard to get past it when the media uh, reports and they're biased like that, and they give you, and then even the cops. It's like I think I read an article about this day of where it was sort of like reported that the cops figured that she uh, was blinded by the sunlight or something like that. Was that part of this report? I believe so. And um, that makes sense. Like right around this time of year at 745 in the morning. Um, you, In fact, a week before that, I was nearly hit in a crosswalk at that same time from someone making a turn in the same direction. Wow. And the only thing that saved me is my really loud voice that screamed at the, the car. Hell yeah. And the, the, they had the driver's side door down. And so they heard me and yeah. stopped about 18 inches from me. Wow. And the, the, the driver was, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry. I, I was blinded by the light. If you're blinded, you should not be speeding right. to make your turn. Right. You, you should be going at a, a snail's pace <laughs> to make sure that you can stop if, if there's something that you can't see. Yes, I was always taught by my dad, who was a super cautious driver, and I used to pull my hair out when I was riding in the passenger seat as like a teenager. I was like, why aren't you driving faster? And he was just like, well, I'm timing the lights. I'm not trying to stop. I'm not trying to push on the gas too hard. We're just cruising. Mm-hmm. Stay safe. And, uh, and, and, and he was like, if the sun gets in your eyes, you immediately come to a stop, basically, until you can establish what's in front of you. Yeah. And people, this is, I guess, just too much for people to handle, to think about all this stuff. Yeah. And um, at the last I heard, they haven't uh, pressed charges against the driver of this car and that's just far too common and yeah. they they probably won't right yeah they, they'll count it as an accident but what what it just also blows my mind if you or i or anybody else in the city used some kind of object that that can be used as a deadly weapon and used it in an irresponsible right. manner and took someone's life yeah we would be held criminally liable for that yeah so why is it any different when it comes to cars I think it's just so widespread. It's such a failure of this uh, transportation system that they've built for the last, you know, five or six decades here in Los Angeles. It's just such a failure that there's no way. It's like it's impossible to get your head around it. Like there's so many, there's so many. The things, the thing is, you could look on a on a website like Tim's, you know, the uh, Switters website. Uh huh. And get data, and and you're seeing thousands of crashes that happen that were the reported crashes. Right. If it's a fender bender um, or a near miss or something like that, that doesn't get reported. The police don't take a report. They don't even come out if it's a fender bender non-injury. So we don't even know, really. I mean, the, the insurance companies, I guess, have more of a accurate picture of how many crashes there are and the severity of injuries and all that stuff do i mean do we get a report from the insurance industry on the this kind of stuff i've i haven't seen one yeah neither have i maybe that's like you know the starting point it was like we you know i worked with like a bunch of bike advocates back in the day to kind of hound the police about hit and runs so we would show up to the uh the police commission, which is Tuesday mornings at 9.30 or something, and mm-hmm. they make you sit through the entire meeting, and then they get to public comment. It's oh, like, that's not right. It's so not right. And you're sitting there, and there's there's other people that are activists there. You know, it's, it's kind of a crazy little scene. But you can talk straight to the police chief, and that's what we did. We talked about hit and runs. Um, I brought in, like, 20 people, and we did a whole public comment action. And 
they the chief actually put the chief the deputy chief of police who is now the chief of police michael moore he was assigned to our you know group and he really tried to kind of understand the hit and run problem and then i think at some point he sort of threw his hands up like everybody else because like oh my god it's like almost impossible to fathom solving this yeah uh luckily uh the senior lead officer uh for our division comes to our neighborhood council meetings so um uh, until i hear that some kind of action has been taken I, i will be continuing to press him about yes charges being pressed what's being yeah. done to prosecute this this is completely unacceptable if if there was some way um maybe we can have you back on to cover you know progress on that S- tell us what they're saying name names screw it i say we need to name names of people in agencies that are not responding i absolutely agree with that yeah it's it's the I mean, back in the day when people were first raising their pitchforks here in Los Angeles about bikes and things, it was like, you know, you'd go to a public comment at City Hall and, you you know, it's like you get a minute or two minutes to to voice your, you know, your gripe and so forth. And they just aren't even listening. No, they're not. But they started to listen when you bring a lot of people in. Yes. So it does help. It really does help when people go and they make public comment. That's like one of the most effective ways I've ever seen of lobbying these these people. Yeah, like get people together, make a lot of noise, don't back down. And yeah. I know that that they can press charges against people who are negligent like this. Um, about six years ago, I lost a friend in a biking accident. He was in Pasadena near Caltech and was hit by a car whose the driver was distracted and speeding. And he was pretty much killed immediately. And it, w- it was, I, and uh, this, this, my friend, he was just so, such a beloved person. And ev- everybody who knew him absolutely adored Philip. And so they, they prosecuted hard. And really? Yeah. The guy that, that was killed. It, it was in Pasadena? Yes. Okay. So they, their small towns do. Yeah, they do. So it wasn't in, in LA where it probably would have been ignored yeah. but a lot of cycling advocates really kind of rallied behind it and good for you thank you um, thank you for that I, I actually wasn't even one of the people that were, was really kind of this was before i got really involved yeah, in it whatever you did yeah i mean you, you um know. his death was actually kind of one of part of what fueled me to get involved in this um like it, it was just the craziest thing um i was actually like typing up my craigslist post to to, to sell my car. I had just gotten done taking the photos of it to sell it. And then I get a call from a friend at, with the bad news. Mm. And I, I and so for several days, I'm like, is this the right thing to do? Should I s- still go through with this and, and get rid of my car? Right, because you t- you, this is, a, you feel like your life is, is like, it's a gamble. Yeah, exactly. It's and not, you're not 100% anything near safe. Right. And as it was, I was already biking to work on a consistent basis and only using my car a handful of times a week. So like, and that was why I was getting rid of it. I couldn't justify holding on to something for just using it for, for fun stuff. And, um, but instead of letting fear take me, I decided to honor my friend by continuing to, to pursue justice. Yeah, totally. Oh, man. Yeah, um, the person that, that took his life uh, was sentenced to six years, uh, six years, six months. 
So at the time, it was the toughest um, uh, penalty that anybody had received in California for uh, for taking someone's life wow. while, while driving like that. And I mean, that is the, the, the it's like you go and you really have to hound, you know, the city to protect you and mm-hmm. give you justice, you know, that we we all deserve here in the United States of America. And you actually have to hound the city attorney or the district attorney and hound the police to get a report. And then you have to hound the judge, I guess, to hand down a decent sentence that makes people think twice, I guess. I mean, is this how, you know, is this going to solve it? What like we need harsher penalties you know what what is going to bring what is going to tame this situation like 40,000 people dying every year on the roads is something that's not just dangerous for bikes and pedestrians it's dangerous for car drivers everybody has an interest in bringing down the deaths on the roads and I would you know obviously we can all argue that cars would benefit if people are less people are driving cars you know we know that 50% of all the trips are less than three miles, which is very bikeable. Mm-hmm. If it was safe to bike, people would choose to bike. They would, you know. I don't care what you say, like boomer from wherever. <laughs> <sighs> no, but I don't know, man. It's just like it's just like over and over. It just gets exhausting. I mean, I've seen so many. There, I mean, you know. Speaking of this crosswalk, I mean this. Just a couple of weeks before that, a LADOT uh, crossing guard. So one of the reactions that I saw to the comments, you know, one of the comments that I saw on, on the news articles were people saying, like, there should be a crossing guard at this intersection, which, you know, that sounds very reasonable. Then you start thinking, it's like, you need a crossing guard to tame these motor vehicles and then just weeks before, an LADOT crossing guard was killed right. outside of another school walking a kid to school just like this mom was, mm-hmm. except that was a straight-on uh, hit. You know, That was just like Van Owen. They were going fast. I looked at the Google uh, Earth, and you see a lot of apartments and a lot of uh, you know, like parking spots and so forth so people getting out of their cars and crosswalks and there's there's a long distance i think it was almost a mile between lights on van owen and they just put slapped a little crosswalk in there that's insane and yeah and people it's just like the and then so ladot puts this post up you know that they mourn it was on their facebook which i follow and i'm kind of a heckling jerk on (laughs) kind of an asshole (laughs) not really i'm polite but Okay, I'm going to take this call really quick because this is John Jones who will patch in if you don't mind. Not at all. John Jones. Hello? Zachary Rhinu. Uh, oh, Zachary Rhinu. Oh, oh. How's it going, man? Good, good, good. You know, I'm, I've, I've uh, sort of taken over Bike Talk here a little bit and I'm just getting used to it, so... We're we're talking passionately about this crosswalk. I'm, maybe you've been listening in, but I'm on. I'm yeah. on. We're here with Adrian Hoff, who is a uh, oh. at-large representative for the Wilshire Center Koreatown Neighborhood Council, 
and we're talking about... Oh, yes. I met, met you a couple of weeks ago with uh, Michael Schneider's event. Oh, that's right. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, and just to, to speak to the whole Van Owen thing, you know, I went out to that intersection, you know, the very next day to kind of, like, take a look at it, and they had a DOT representative there as well. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it just it was it's it's still it's a it's a bad intersection that just uh you know, you look down the street and it just allows for people to speed down there. And um you know, did you get a look uh, at the posted speed limit there? Did you get a look at the posted speed limit by at that the point? The funny part was I went up and down the street and I couldn't find one within a half mile it, or it, at, least it, a, at least a quarter mile in each direction. Yeah, I, I looked um, on, on Google Street View and the last one that I could see was just west of, uh, what is that, Woodman right there? I forget. But uh, it said 35 miles per hour and I wanted to go over there and see because sometimes Google Street View, it, it has an older view of the street and the LADOT has been going around recently and raising speed limits. Yes, that uh, that's been blowing my mind. Yeah, and and they've been trying to do this for 10 years and uh they finally just are getting their sh- their shit together and we as a bike lobby have shrunk back from from political activity in my opinion. Uh they have moved forward and they've like upped the speed limit on like ninety miles of LA streets, including a lot in the valley. Mm-hmm. And there was a, an incident on Foothill over by uh there's a curve on Foothill and I forget the exact cross street up there, but it's up in Sunland Tahunga and it's a problem curve where it's like counter beveled where cars fly out of control and a couple of women had died on this corner and it was like, Whoa, looked on the looked in the record they had raised the speed limit on foothill boulevard heading into that curve by uh you know i don't know what it was five or ten miles but it was now 40 or maybe 45 miles per hour and it was just like wow they raised the speed limit these two women died they should be held accountable for that you know and then i went to go see the scene to go check out just in person what this intersection looked like and the the day after I visited, there was another crash right on that same corner. And it was just like, I really wanted to write a Streets Blog article, but man, it's so hard to blog. I just, I can't write. It's horrible. But they somebody needs to write about this stuff. Yeah, it gets exhausting. <laughs> it does. It's just wild. I mean, actually, speaking of that somebody, I guess that's uh, Mr. Bike Angelus right on the phone with us right <laughs> now. Duh. You got a blog, right? Yeah. Well, it was it was interesting. So, like this past week was was cow bike, and um, oh, we should get know, a report a about that. Sessions. And you know, someone raised a pretty good point of like how when we want to put a bike lane in to an area, we have to have meetings, we have to have research, we need to go out and sign things. But when we raise the speed limits, yeah, it's like real quick. Yeah, I mean, there's no community interaction. They there is. There, there actually is community interaction. They, they do go to the neighborhood councils and the homeowners associations, and they make the argument that um, these speed limits are not – because this is the thing. This is the, the, the thing is, like, 
as traffic is not bipartisan, neither are crashes, right? Like, or partisan, I should say. You know, it's not like it's Republicans hate, you know, bikes and Democrats love cars. It's like a mix of all different political spectrums that'll get behind this. There's a lot of people um, that are conservatives that hate lawless car driving and death on the streets just as much as we do. And I think we could get those people on board. And what, what the LADOT and the LAPD were doing is you had a senior engineer, Brian Gallagher, and you had a senior police moto cop who's, uh, I can't think of his name right now, I'm, uh, Troy Williams. And Troy Williams, actually, he's, he's a nice guy, you know. And I'm sure so is Brian Gallagher. But they were going around and they were making this argument that the speed limits had to be raised in order to tame speeders because of the 85th percentile law, which sets the speed limit at the blah, 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 blah. It's just a bunch of garbledygook that's really hard for people to understand and that they were making the case to raise the speed limits. And what I always, and maybe I'm crazy, but when, when I see that, I'm like, why are you raising the speed limits when you can engineer for a lower speed? Right. You know, like if you have a 40 mile per hour speed limit here and you have a problem and you like it costs police, you know, harassment. Basically, people see motocops as like, you know, they don't see them as like heroes. Those are people that are going to give you a ticket for speeding. Right. So that's a waste of resources. There are people on the right that don't like cops. There's people on the left that don't like cops, you know, pulling them over and giving them tickets and such. So engineer the street to go slower. And I, I just, uh, like, I don't know. I feel like that need. Am I, am I crazy? Why can't we engineer the streets to go slower? Because <laughs> the cost? Well, I, I, you know, I, I think, like, we can. It's obvious that we can. It's pretty simple. But... You know, we don't have the political will. We don't have, you know, uh, people in office that are willing to take the risks. Okay, now, did you talk and about that at, at Cal Bike? Are we talking about, like, the political scene? Like, how is this? We know what we want. How is it going to get done? What was – give me the – let's get a little uh, report from Cal Bike, and then we're going to have John Jones from Eastside Riders on, and we're going to talk some <laughs> more bikes. But uh, well, I mean, you know, I, I attended like a session where a few people from LA DOT were there, and okay. you know, look, I mean, like these ideas aren't absent to them, but you just kind of feel in this environment they're pressured to use like really small tools that don't address the need. Who are they like, being pressured we all by? Know, I what, mean, where's the pressure coming from? Well, I, I mean, you know, we, we see it, uh, you know, from our council members, from our mayor. Um, you know, these are the people that are the ones that make the, the decisions and set the tone. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the idea, I mean, the science is there. You know, you can't argue with the science. Um, but, you know, it's these flare-ups that people are afraid of, of, of um, confronting. And, um, you know, that is the problem, is that they just can't stand up because, you know, we don't have the momentum to go forward. And, um, you know... So how are we going to get that momentum? What's the, what's the plan? Do we... Do we get, was there a, a talk about this at CalBike? Like, moving forward, we need to do what? How are we getting there? 
Yeah, well, there was this really handsome gentleman who does this blog called Secret Valley that uh, had a panel about like how to communicate that you know was trying to focus. We had Peter Flax, Alyssa Walker, Matt Tenoco, oh, yeah. Ed and Arianos, um All awesome uh, people, awesome people. Yeah, Dana Variano. It was a really good conversation. It was something that I hoped had gone more than an hour, but. Um, you know, I think, like, I mean, us being involved really passionate, and this really bothers us. And I think that we get really angry about it, which is rightfully so. But, you know, there's a big, giant bell curve where we've got, like, dedicated mobility advocates at one end and then the obstructionists at the other. But there's a huge amount of people that can fall anywhere in the spectrum in between that we don't engage with. And I think, like, this particular argument like is not something that's going to draw people in mm -hmm. i think like for us you we know we have to draw numbers now it, yeah i think but i mean like once people actually try it you know i know tons of people who like nobody's going to give up their car right away but you need to find gateways for people to get to that point you know and i brought up my trader joe's argument that like Tell people, hey, look at your Trader Joe's and how ridiculous amount of time it takes to drive in and out of that parking lot. You could be home 15 minutes early if you bike there. And, you know, once you get people start thinking of those terms, then you can, um, you know, people start, like, making the connections. Yeah, and, Trader Joe's um, parking lots are like the ire of, of Facebook neighborhood groups everywhere. I try to be in all these different Facebook neighborhood groups. And it's always the same, like, stuff that's making people yeah, go crazy. Yeah, but I mean, like, the problem is, like, we can't, like, when we keep engaging with the next door arguments and things like that. Those, I can't get on next like, door. Those are no the way. people that are already right? probably against Horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Um, but Kudos I mean, like, to you for enduring like, that. You just own positive narrative, you know, in terms of, you know, um, that, you know, that having a safer neighborhood enriches your life you know um it's less smog everyone wants to live next to a street that's quiet i mean every development that goes up has pictures of people biking you know um because people if you have a picture of someone biking you know that the neighborhood is calm they don't have you know when you see these things go up in downtown la they don't show traffic going by or cars zipping by 50 miles an hour so you know, like, I, you know, and, you know, I, I think the thing is, like, when you take a look at Ciclavia and how that draws people in, you know, it's a very great concept that everyone can can really attach to. Um, and I think that we need to start finding other avenues like that. We've got to bring back the group party rides. I'm going to say it right now. got to bring back the group party rides. So how to do that. Who's on the phone? That'd be awesome. Actually, there there is. Oh my God! Everybody, um, I don't know if this is whoever's listening out there. You know, I don't know how many. Let's pretend like there's hundreds. But there's a ride coming up on uh, this Saturday, the nineteenth, called Renegade Riders, and that is one of the good new rides coming out. Um, group mm. party rides, and it's led by. Um, Leah Elizabeth, also known as Jenny Girl, who has an insane music bike with, I mean, there's a DJ set up on there with two wheels, and 
huge speakers and it looks pro i mean it's pro status because she's she's a fabricator actually she builds all kinds of beautiful like architectural structures and i don't even know what i'm saying but anyways uh, zach thanks for the I have to cut out thanks for the report my friend uh, Don, thanks so much yeah and, uh, we're gonna um, we're gonna yeah, try to get john jones on we're going we're gonna to right, attempt to get John Jones on next. Thank you, Zach. Uh, take care. Let's go to a break, and then we'll set up with Eastside Riders' John Jones. And we hope that Adrian Hoff will, s- will have time to stay with us. I'll stick around. Yeah, okay. See, bike folks, walk mobility folks, we stick around. We've got John Jones on the phone, right? Yep, it's John. Hey, John. How you doing? You're on the podcast live web stream with myself, Don Ward, a.k.a. Roadblock, and Adrian Hoff, who is a neighborhood council member of the uh, Wilshire Center Koreatown Neighborhood Council. You are an organizer on, on the ground of... Eastside Riders Bike Club. I am the co-founder of Eastside Riders Bike Club and um, yes. current president of the organization. Um, Eastside Riders was founded in 2008, and um, we we um, basically organized the community um, to advocate for safer bike lanes, um, safer streets um, in the community. Uh, when we first started, we didn't know what we wanted to do, but we knew that we wanted to ride bikes in the community. Hell yeah. The advocacy piece kind of um, came about over the years when uh, we started seeing things in our community. We started seeing things in different communities, like on the west side or, or over in, um, in like, uh, the East L.A. side where, where um, they had bike lanes and they had, uh, you know, structures and bike, bike uh, share roads. And we didn't have that in our community. And it was kind of tough riding uh, bikes through our community. Um, so we kind of got together. We, um, we made a, a, a plan to, to get involved with city hall, city planners, and let them know that, um, we wanted to, um, to have our community taken a lot serious than what it is. That is and amazing. It led, uh, it led to bike rides and all kinds of good things with city planners, with city planners and, you know, department of transportation folks to, to come and ride our community and see what we're what we're talking about really so you you're saying like actual people from the LADOT came to ride and see and 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 meet with you guys yeah we they came down on bikes um few people i think we loaned bikes but wow. they so so <laughs> impressed so they wanted yeah. to put bike lanes in places that was not safe you know the streets wasn't big enough and it seems like they wasn't understanding so we kind of like told them you need to you know the best way to check it out is to come here and ride and um see um that these lanes where you want to put them it's not safe and and we don't think that they should go down you don't think certain bike lanes should go down right wow it's like door zone bike lanes narrow yeah and to to move them and to move them to another space where where it makes sense okay what uh what particular street 
So um, 103rd Street, um, which is a, a two-lane road, has a median in the middle. They wanted to put a bike lane through there. Mm-hmm. Um, the street's not big enough. Um, so we told them the best thing to do on this street is to put down a share road, right? Okay. Um, but we used those bike mile lanes and put it on uh, Compton Avenue, where it was um, four lanes across. Uh, we kind of did a shrinkage of the road, and now it's uh, two lanes across, and it has bike lanes in both directions. Oh, okay. This sounds um, like a road diet. On, yeah, on Compton, like Compton Avenue. That's near Compton the... Avenue. This near the uh, the Blue Line Station, or right a block away from the Blue Line Station. Okay, awesome. And then um, we worked with um, council office and um, the local Southern District, and um, we talked about doing a bike lane on Imperial. Now that was and Councilman Buscaino, right? Councilman Buscaino's office, yeah. Okay. And um, we we got a bike lane put in on Imperial, which is a major street had uh, six lanes across. Um, <sighs> two of those lanes kind of didn't need right. to use yeah. and he was able to get um a bike lane put in which is awesome sounds like it might have even been a buffered bike lane or sounds like there was enough room if you took out a lane it, 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 it is enough room to do a buffer bike lane if you wanted to take out um if you want to take out um parking i see but, okay so they put um, permanent that was, parking that was one of the sales one of the sales was you're going to take out the gridlock zone because obviously that lane wasn't being used, and you'll be able to open parking back up, and we'll, we'll be able to um, get a bike lane put in. That is, I love that language that you just used, the sell. That's one thing that I think advocates don't have uh, their sell down as good as they could, and you guys used a sell as in you're going to get more parking. You're going to get something for voting for this. Talking to the right. local, I guess who did who was the opposition? Who was the potential? You know, who did you have to drum up support from? It was like the local homeowners that lived we on had that to drum street. Up short, uh, from the homeowners, we had to get. I mean, the, I think we did like um, I think it's almost three miles of bike lane on Imperial. Mm-hmm. So we That's had to so go great. and get fifty uh, percent of the homeowners in that area and uh, the businesses that's there and tell them that you know this is good for them. Um, and then we had to convince the neighborhood council to sign off on it, and um, of course the councilman's office, which which that one was an easy sell. Oh, really? Okay, yeah, because yeah. Joe Buscano, he's he's a supporter of bikes. He right. has been. Yeah, I saw a video where he rode from his house in San Pedro or something to City Hall. Yeah. I saw that too. <laughs> I was rolling with him. Oh, okay, that's right, him. that's right. Yes, nice. you were. <laughs> yep. Ah, oh, man, that that is just so awesome to hear you know thank you for doing that as well you know it's like we gotta yeah. thank all the people that are just out there going street by street block by block that's what it seems like this is the only way that things actually get done you know like it seems like you just have to look at every single project by itself because i mean w- you know we're waiting for ledot to implement policy for you know complete streets which it sounds another whole bunch of garbledygook, but it's like on the state level somewhere. Uh, didn't they already pass like a complete streets thing, or maybe that actually? Oh, I think that actually got they got vetoed. Right? It did, oh, yeah, God. SB one twenty seven. But wasn't there vetoed. another one that that was like a complete streets? Ugh, I don't know, but yes, I did hear about that one getting vetoed, and that's terrible. My neighborhood um, council actually, as far as I know, uh, the only neighborhood council to take a position on it. Um, hmm. 
through my insistence, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, we took the position of supporting SB 127. We sent the letter to Ga uh, Gavin Newsom, and he vetoed it. That sent a loud message. We hear you. Yeah. I mean, come on. You know, like, I thought this, it's like you think that, that cycling is like a slam dunk. Cheaply, pedestrians, mobility, getting around cheaply, actively. Talking about sustainability and climate change, but then they've got a complete blind spot to it. Yeah, and somehow, you know, something, it seemed so simple. Complete streets, where feasible. It was already part of the, you know, there was an out. There was already an out built into the legislation that they could have just said, oh, this is not feasible, you know, at their judgment. So... Why can't they pass that? I don't know. It's, I mean, actually, John Jones, speaking of which, John Jones has worked for Councilmember Buscaino, yes? Yes. And uh, you have so much knowledge that we need about how <laughs> what's going on behind the scenes. You know, what, like, you know, you've seen it. You know it. So give us, give us some, you know, inside information. Like, okay. We want bike lanes on Rowena, or not Rowena, um, 6th Street. You know, council member, whoever is in charge, what is our process? What, what do you think, John, will get us to the promised land of, you know, bike lanes and crosswalks, so, and, you know? So, so part of it is having the plan, and part of it is, you know, knowing your council person and what they like and and it could be easier if they and they are advocates of cycling and they like cycling uh, but the the best part is to get to be friends with your local um dot office oh that's okay. The key. okay that's the key okay and then if your dot engineer um like cycling it's it's pretty much slam dunk um but if your transportation engineer, it's like, well, we just need to make the lights more efficient. We need as much road as we could. It might be an uphill battle. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So we got to get into the LADOT. I guess there's a phone number on their website or something. And then they assign yeah. a person to you kind of thing. It, 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 right. Well, so okay, let's, let's look at the structure. Like the field deputy. Field deputy. Okay. So you see, structurally, you can even tell us like, like okay, so you know how do they divide up the LADOT? Is it is it by council district or you know? So it's it's by section. So you have the southern section. Um, I think it's it's the north. Um, then you have um, the east and the west. I, I if I'm not mistaken, if not if I am not mistaken, that's how it's uh, divided. Something like um, LAPD, how they have north south north um, division. Uh, Southern Division, Western, you know, things like that. So okay. It's kind of like, it's kind of sort of the same. And then you have your local offices, something like LAPD as well, but they don't have, you know, as many um, um, units as LAPD, right? Okay. And then you have your uh, your 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 district downtown, which is kind of like your council office. <laughs> okay. So okay. Yeah. Where everything goes back to and yeah. for approval. Yeah. And you have, um, if if you're lucky, your engineer has a helper to go out when you ask for these things, to go out and do the counts. If you ask for a red zone, to go out and look and see if it's, if it's approved for a red zone. So some some do because of the traffic. Some probably don't. 
Okay. Um, but those that's kind of how it breaks down in, wow. in those departments. Okay, so we need to get like a map together. We're gonna get in the war room here with the bike lobby. <laughs> Let's get, go. I, I need I need a sample of a door uh, creaking, and then uh, that's like us entering into the smoky backfilled room of the bike lobby. Right. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we're gonna get in there and we're gonna make a map. And John Jones, you just like revealed, you know, behind the the curtain a little bit right there right i mean for a lot of us like i don't know how all this stuff works i didn't i I didn't go to college to get a planning degree i was like you know in uh art and design and so forth so i do have a fascination with you know the design of our streets and so forth so this is interesting and it's like breaking down how these agencies uh you know have I guess power over your area, right? Like we yep. need to get in there and figure out who those point people are and start charming them somehow. Um John, I've got a question for you. Hopefully you have uh your infinite wisdom would be able to help me <laughs> with this. So uh <laughs> something that I I'm dealing with um in my my district, there's a couple areas where um I've uh, been trying to get um, some infrastructure improvements done, and people had previously uh, applied for for some of these. One of them in particular, and this is very timely as well too, right outside of Robert Kennedy High School at 7th and Catalina, some students were uh, petitioning to get um, a, a stoplight there that would really only be active during pickup and drop-off times, and also a crossing guard. And it got denied because they said that there wasn't enough traffic when the DOT came out to do the traffic study. And so we're trying to push back on that. And especially in the wake of both a crossing guard about a month ago being killed and just two days ago in our district, uh, a child being killed in a cross crosswalk while going to school. Legally in a crosswalk. Yes. Complete right, right to be there. eight year old, right? Uh, yeah, she was four years old, walking with four. her mom and hit by an SUV driver. And so uh, we're petitioning to try to get them to appeal or, like, to even consider other – like, I understand that, like, they need to quantify the data. So, like, yeah, counting how many cars go through that intersection is definitely a valid form of data collection. But, like, how do we get them to consider other stuff? Like, like how many cars are committing moving violations? Um, how like how many crashes? Yeah, fender and, benders. And what about the opinion of the people who like the pedestrians? Like, like so, these students came to our neighborhood council, and like, I, for, first I got to preface it by saying, like, these kids just blew me away. Like, mm-hmm. not only are they just so bright and intelligent, and and so motivated to to make a, a difference in their community. They came here to our council and they're like, well, we have to somehow appeal this. And even beyond that, we have to try to figure out how to change the behavior of the drivers. Right, right. And I'm like, wow. Like, <laughs> That's amazing. You're only 15 years old and talking about changing the collective behavior of, of the, the drivers in the neighborhood. That's incredible. Yeah. And so that's kind of what I'm trying to do right now is how to get uh, Herb Wesson's office and the Depart- and LADOT to reconsider their denial of this stoplight. So Herb Wesson is your council member. He's one of them. He's um, 
the area of Koreatown that I live in is within CD10, his district. Okay. Yeah. You go just a little bit north, and it's um, it's Mitchell Farrell. You go right. a bit west, and it's David Rue. David Rue, yeah. And even a little bit further south and southeast is um, uh, Gil Cedillo. Really? Oh, Kill Gil, like yes. Wow. That sounds CD- like Watts to me, where we're really uh, cut up between three different council districts and the county of L.A. Wow. Yeah, yeah, it's just gerrymandered so bad. That um, and Buscaino's district is like a big column mm-hmm. going all the way down to the the, yeah. the ocean. That's amazing. It's like the cross section is so hard to manage. I yeah. Imagine. So, so a little bit of what 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 you're talking about it, to get help on that. Um, first, you have fresh data of an unfortunate um, collision mm-hmm. with, with with a child. So that that helps right now. Um, another thing that helped is, is what, um, I think that's, uh, I, I don't know what, what police is over in that way. Is it central division? Olympic division. Olympic. Uh, actually, that might be central right there. Uh, it's usually Olympic that interacts with us, but I think they're further south. Okay. So, so you can go and if you know the senior lead officer in that area, they can get you the, the data you need, um, regarding, um, tickets. Mm-hmm. Um, citations issued, ah. and um, and 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 then if if the signs if it's if it's been if the speed limit has been updated, then they can come out and do some things where they can help out with with cars that stopping. They, I mean, they can do that regardless. Mm-hmm. You can get that done, and that helps you with the data. Um, um, another thing is. Um, of course, the kids are already involved, so that helps put pressure. Yeah, um, it, it's kind of hard when you got kids right coming to your office and um, asking you for something and it's denied. Yeah, um, but kids play a factor that can help um, with 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 wanting to create change. Um, but but those are that those are the things you can do. So go to, of course, you go back to your um, hopefully your local. Um, DOT person, whoever the representative might be, and then you get in touch with your senior lead officer and try to make friends. I mean, you're on a neighbor council. You pretty you pretty much have have reached to get to the captain. Yeah, and talk to the captain. Um, so that helps. And then um, just having the kids and, and petitions. Um, I mean, I've, I've I've seen it in other districts where you know it was a a collision and someone passed away. And um, less than a year, it was uh, at least a flashing beacon up because I know traffic signals, it's a lot for traffic signals. But to start, you know, they can put up um, a, fla- uh, a flashing beacon to help, you know, slow down cars when when uh, someone's crossing the street. See, uh, another a follow up question I had to that and you kind of touched on it was um, uh, how effective you thought think um, getting petitions and like maybe doing like surveys of, of community members because that was something that the students were talking about doing, but they're also saying that they they're, they're high school students they're they're getting bogged down with homework and only so many yeah. hours of the day. I certainly don't want them spinning their wheels and wasting their time taking away from their studies c- trying to collect this data. If 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 the city council and D, D, uh, and uh, LADOT don't really take it seriously. So one thing in my time in the office, um, when people came to me and they was prepared, they came to me with um, with petitions. They came to me with to, with letters. They came with me came to me with with data. Um, it helped me do my job faster, cool. and easier. 
um, when you come unprepared and you're just talking, <laughs> that means you're telling me. You telling me you want to you want me to take away from something that I mean not saying that it's not important because this is something that I I kind of like stop and and I put my time into but if you're coming to me talking about some dogs barking in your neighborhood and you haven't even called the um the animal control then I'm like you got to do your part first before you make it here yeah right. um so if you haven't tried you this is your first stop I I, I I've told people plenty of times well you need to make sure because you know when this dog is barking. You know when it's not, and you need to call. And then if they're not showing up, you write down when these things are happening and let me know. So you do your homework first, you bring it to me, and then I'll carry it. Let me do the work to carry it the rest of the way. But as long as I know you guys are still there in support and this is what you want in your community. There it is. Oh, thank you. That makes (laughs) so much sense. Like, thank you, John. Like, we got to have you back on here. We got to have you as, like, a consultant for uh <laughs> street by street block by block you know it's like i uh, i wish i i mean i'm i'm doing this as a volunteer too everybody here is volunteering now thank you everybody yeah yeah um we i'm doing this and just having fun with it but really there should be some kind of coverage of of street by street block by block issues you know like your method of just going from Compton to Imperial and getting it done on each street and getting to the homeowners, the businesses, and then to the council office with that support and the data, like you said, is seems like the only way to get it done right now. Cause yeah. you know, policy wise, the other DOT could say all kinds of stuff and all kinds of happy stuff, you know, so that rentals can say all kinds of positive things about whatever, you know, pedestrians and so forth, but with their policy on the ground, is still you know they're raising speed limits they're keeping the you know they're they're not putting signals in where there should be crosswalks there's all kinds of stuff like that that needs to be done street by street block by block so you know in the future with this show this with bike talk i'd like to do more of this kind of analyzing a particular stretch of road and really getting into like how can we win this particular battle and John, I'd love to have you on, and and we would talk more, Adrian, and you as well, you know. And let's let's talk more about the nuts and bolts of how to get something done in just one battle at a time, trench warfare. I'm here for it. That, that, that would be awesome. <laughs> well, right on. You know, this has been a great. I love this episode of Bike Talk. I hope I don't screw up the recording. <laughs> Holy God, I'm uh, Nick's not here. I'm I'm in here and uh I think it's running good. So um John, we really appreciate you getting in and calling and uh Adrian uh, I really appreciate you coming to the studio. My pleasure. Yeah, and it's been a great talk. I, I feel like uh you've been a great co host. <laughs> and uh no, seriously, like and John, your knowledge is just like invaluable. So we're gonna have you back on if you would if you would so be so kind. Yes, sir. Of course, anything, like I was talking to Nick this week at the summit, anything to help uh, push push uh, bike talk, especially now that I have a little bit more time on my hand, um, <laughs> you know, whatever we need to help push this, because I know he's been doing this for a while, and um, this is an outlet for um, cyclists and pedestrians where we can talk about the things that we need in our communities. Yes, sir. And we're going to talk about more than just bikes, you know. 
This right. uh, I feel like we have a lot of resources here at KPFK that we can just like blow this up and uh, and have really good conversations. So thank you, John. We really appreciate it, and uh, we're about to wrap up the show here and call it a night and head in. I'm going to take the red line into L.A. You know, and uh, I'll go be safe. Yeah, thank you, and you too. And uh, we'll 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 have you back on, and we'll get some more uh, updates on Eastside Riders as well. Your work there, so thank you. Yes, sir. No Is problem. There... You guys have a good one. Okay, take care. All right, bye. All right. I mean, he just like broke it down. You know, like such valuable information, right? Nuts there. and bolts. Exactly what to do. Yeah, I mean, when you know, what's interesting to me as we close this out, it's like. I, I watch uh, a lot of YouTube videos about, you know, political stuff. And it's sort of like, you know, you hear all these numbers about people putting up, like the Koch brothers put $900 million into, you know, whatever campaign. And you just sort of like, I think for the general public, you just think like, that's $900 million that went to, Je- you know, Jeb Bush or whoever they were, you know, pushing. And it's not, it's, it's $900 million that goes into, you know, on the ground, like boots on the ground, uh, petition gathering. Um, you know, this is how lobby lobbying organizations work. It's not just somebody showing up at the council member's office and talking his ear off. It's like they have uh, PR companies, they have media, um, you know, contacts, they put, uh, all kinds of uh, propaganda out there that sways public opinion. And the, these are the forces that are at work with huge amounts of money out there. And it's like when it comes to what we're trying to do, there's just not like a burrito lobby that's behind us or something. Yeah. It's like putting big mo- you know, b- burrito magnet who wants more bike riders eating veggie burritos. <laughs> yes, I'm trying to tie that one in. Um, but uh, there's just there's no money behind bikes and walking and yeah. taking public transit it's very it's not the kind of money you'll find behind fossil fuels and the automotive industry and it seems like like again it seems like like the the, the climate is trying is is changing enough where more people are willing to get behind that i'm re- i'm recently getting involved uh with an organization called streets for all that's uh trying to focus on uh raising money for for candidates and getting um complete streets uh, candidates elected, so supporting Lorraine. That's with Michael Schneider. Right? Yes, yes, yeah. yes. So um, anyone listening, um, go to the website, sign up, support. It's uh, Streets for All is doing great things. Streetsforall.org. Yes. Okay, and they're they're going to be a five hundred one c four. Yes. Yeah, we need that. We need mm-hmm. some yeah, because mo- <laughs> uh, almost everything else is five hundred one c three. I guess we gotta we gotta find big money for that. No, mm-hmm. but, but the point I was making is like you know they they have all this money and they 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 can hire the people to do the footwork. And what we have, unfortunately, is we don't have a lot of money. But fortunately, what we have is some great footwork going on. There's a lot of cyclists who are energetic. There's a lot of pedestrian advocates. There's a lot of people on the right side of this who are energetic and out there doing the footwork. And that's just, you know, thank you everybody that does that because I mean, everybody at the cow bike summit, everyone everywhere that's organizing bike rides or walks or even the running groups out there, shout out to the running groups, the scooter groups, just keep organizing and having fun and doing things 
And then showing up to public comment, that's the, that's one of the biggest things. If somebody out there is calling for public comment, it has to be well-timed public comment, but yes. it can be really effective. Mm-hmm. You know, So we look to leaders in the community, including yourself, Adrian, for uh, you know being on the neighborhood council and knowing the timing of this. You're, you seem to have a very good uh, understanding, and the questions between you and John were great. So uh, that was very educational. Thank you for that. So... We're heading out on Bike Talk, the live stream. There's There was actually more listeners this time. I don't know. Someone out there promoted. So <laughs> it wasn't a lot, but hopefully people will listen to the podcast, which will be on SoundCloud. Awesome. Slash Bike Talk. Yes. And uh, is there any websites that you're pushing that we can go to for information that you besides uh, uh, safe, safe Streets for All? Um. I have a personal blog that um, I I haven't updated in a while, but it's a, <laughs> it's got a lot of great information on there. I started it about six years ago when I uh, took on this car-free life. It's uh, called Hoff the Beaten Path. Ha! <laughs> Little play on my last name there. I like that. Um, so it's it's essentially about uh, promoting car-free living in Los Angeles and okay. just kind of um, trying to promote that it's easier than a lot of people like to think it is and that it, it's truly a joy to experience the city outside of a vehicle right it, that's one you know i was born and raised here in la and i haven't lived anywhere else i'm just all about la i don't know there's just i love this city because people come here from all over the world and they give it a shot and i welcome all of them with open arms there's so much diversity in Los Angeles, and we just, I feel like like uh, there's just this huge community, and the bike community in particular is so diverse. It's, it's incredible to me. So I'm thankful because the bike community actually discovering it in Los Angeles made L.A. a new city to me. Like riding a bicycle, I mean, I skateboarded a lot, but riding a bicycle, like it's even, it's just, it's, uh, it's just the right speed to really, get into a city I, i've yeah. explored other cities by bicycle now because of this yeah same here and when i when i moved here over 12 years ago i got really lucky that i found a tribe of people that were really into biking and a lot of them la natives who just really had a deep love for this city and um the the the, the diversity and the nuances of this city so it kind of helped give me an early exposure to all the the beautiful things that this city has to offer yeah and people out there, if you happen to hear this, come visit Los Angeles. You know, there are places where you can bike and it's, you know, it's it's a little safer, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I mean, even the bike path is like, if you're going at night, you can get a little dangerous. Yeah, I've heard dicey stories. Yeah, so we got a lot to work on, but mm-hmm. it's looking good. I mean. I'm hopeful. We're all hopeful. So with that. We're going to take us out with the Bike Talk unofficial theme, which uh, is a little bit aggressive. But <laughs> but anyways, take care. And uh, thanks for ha- thanks again, Adrian, Thank you. for being here. I'm really trying to do this, like, pro style. Just like my friends Daryl, Sean, Toby, and Janet. No greenhouse gas, a tiny carbon footprint up your ass. I'm on a motherfucking bike. I am this guy sometimes. It's sad. Uh,
just fat The canvas kicks, the ear flap hats Got no beans, so you best not diss me Yeah, bitch, it's a motherfucking fixie Middle of the street is where you're gonna find me A shitload of traffic back up behind me The critical mass is a Facebook like I'm on a motherfucking bike Thanks for listening to this episode of Bike Talk. If you want to hear more, go to kpfk.org, navigate to programs, and choose Bike Talk. On the Bike Talk page, click on the archives link to play or download shows posted in the last four months. Go to biketalk.com and copy or click on the RSS link to subscribe. Our Twitter handle is BikeTalkPFK. On Facebook, we are Bike Talk. You can become friends and join our group.